Welcome to A Street in Lockdown. This podcast is an insight into the lives of people who live in and around one road and how the COVID-19 outbreak has affected them. I'm Jane Vickers and live in West Hove on the UK's south coast. Though neighbours, I'd never met most of the people taking part and because of the rules around social distancing, all the conversations you'll hear were virtual. I hope it's not too long until we can meet face to face. But in the meantime, this is a street in lockdown. So my name is Laura McLaren. I'm um, 35 years old and I live in West Hove um, in Sussex. Um, I'm a midwife for um, my, my profession and I live at home with my husband and my son who's 22 months old so I'd say that we had a pretty good balance um before um the virus so I work part-time um my husband works full-time um my both our mums are fairly nearby so we, we would use them for some childcare. but my son would also go to nursery when I worked um We've both lived in Brighton for a long time. My my husband was born here, so we have lots of local connections, lots of friends nearby. And we'd we'd only recently moved into our house last summer. So we're just kind of settling in to having a bit more space, um, enjoying exploring a new neighbourhood, um, which is a bit less built up, a bit, bit quieter and... Um, bit more for set sort of suitable for a, a family life I guess um where, where were you before then so I was in sort of more central hove before so and we were in a flat so it's lovely but just a bit noisier a bit busier um so that kind of transition was um yeah it was the right time for us I'd been in that flat for 10 years before so it's a nice neighbourhood here, isn't it? I mean, for people listening to the podcast, um, you know, that might have heard a few people who live around here talking about the community a bit. But um, I've been really struck by, I, I moved here about two, three years ago. No, actually more than that, four years ago. And I lived uh, um, just a few streets away. But the community spirit here is really kind of tangible compared to where that where it was. And it's only, yeah. you know, a few hundred yards, but it, it's in a really nice uh, neighbourhood, isn't it, community? Definitely. And that was a big draw for us. I mean, before we, even when we started looking at the house and we were thinking about putting an offer in, we um, had heard from friends about, oh, yeah, that road, and they've got a Facebook page and, you know, they do street parties. The kind of street parties were a bit quite infamous, I think, um, in the area. Um and that was, yeah. you know, that was what really drew us to this area. Um, and also things like a few months after we moved in, they started doing these road closures where we once a month they'd close the road for kids to play out um, and things like that. You know, now we've got a, a son, it's just sort of an added benefit, really. Um, so, yeah, I definitely say that, yeah, there's a much bigger sense of community here. And I've noticed that... Um, you know, really being important as everything's changed in the last few months. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I remember walking past this street when I lived in St. Leonard's Gardens and walking into St. Leonard's Road and having road envy. 
yeah totally. street party <laughs> and it's like yeah. oh they know how to have fun and they know how to do community stuff and it was a bit of a dream getting a house on this road actually so um and we're not quite on St Leonard's Road but we're very close to it so we kind of crane yeah. our necks around the corner to to see what um yeah, St Leonard's Road is yeah, up to yeah, but you know that's an honorary an honorary St Leonard's Rodian absolutely <laughs> so you mentioned there about how things have changed how has your life changed through all of this then? So I think prior to this happening, like I was saying, you know, my uh, both of our mums live nearby and they will, would come once a week and um, spend time with my son. So we were seeing, seeing them once a week. So not being able to see them and um, has been quite a big big difference, big change. Because my husband um, works for the council, he's now working at home all the time, um, which is actually is a mixture of, of positive and, and negatives, I'd say. It's definitely given us some more time together as a family in the house, and that's been really valuable, but at the same time has its own strains in different ways. Um my job as a as a midwife has obviously changed quite significantly we're you know reducing the amount of contact we have with women and families as much as we can and so that means not seeing women as often in their pregnancy um it means not seeing women as much after they've had the babies um and women being restricted in who they can have with them at certain points so unfortunately their partners or um birth birth partners aren't allowed to come to their scans they're not able to be with them if they're admitted um onto into the hospital before they're going to labor um they're not allowed to be with them on the postnatal ward after they've had the baby um and those are you know, huge, huge changes to what we're used to. And although that's it more impacting the women than, than myself, you know, as a midwife, when you're providing care for women, like I th- I think, you know, you really feel, feel what they're going through and how it's, it's, those changes are, are really difficult um, for them sort of going through this really, really important, you know, experience that, they'll remember for the rest of their life but but also with this backdrop of the covid crisis and trying to we're trying you know as as our profession to make it as positive as an experience as we can um and that's you know that's about just what we would would always do with women and birth is always trying to support them and and help them whatever way we can but it's it's there's definitely new challenges in in what we can provide especially because we're not seeing them as often um yeah and there's that whole thing isn't there around um you know that connection and that relationship with your midwife I've, I've talked to friends who've had children and say oh my midwife was wonderful my mother was a midwife actually I think i mentioned that um and she you know that relationship you know she's had people call their children after her because 
Do you know what I mean? It's that's yeah. such yeah. a powerful bond with this. Yeah. This um, it's a very unique um, profession, isn't it? That you know, it's yeah. it's one of those ones where you go into hospital for a good reason. There's not many reasons you go yeah. into hospital for a good reason. Um, and that's a yeah. lovely thing, isn't it? It's a pos- such a positive thing. And and that feeling of, I imagine a lot of women are feeling that, oh God, all the times, you know, that I'm, I might only do this once in my life and this is what I've, I'm, I'm dealing with. Yeah. Um, and a lot of things have been taken away from them, which, you know, there's a sadness to that. And I think it's important that we remember that they're, they're t- perfectly entitled to feel... Like, that's not fair, you know, not being able to have your partner when you see your baby for the first time on a scan, you know, yeah. not 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 being able to have your baby shower, not being able to introduce your newborn baby to your parents. Um, those things are really important and women have had them taken away and they're, you know, we can't do anything about that as midwives, but, you know, all we can do is just keep keep connecting with them as much as we can. Um, you know, we've been really trying to think of different ways to break down the barriers that have been put in place. So the the barriers of not seeing women as often, we're, we're doing lots of um, things on video so that we can at least see women, um, even though we can't see them in person via the technology. Um, and obviously as we're having to wear you know, PPE at all times at the moment. Unfortunately, the masks you wear in PPE, one of the things about them is that you can't see when someone's smiling. And as a midwife, you know, often women say, oh, I was in the throes of labour and I was really scared and I looked at my midwife standing in the corner and she was smiling. And so I thought, well, everything must be okay. And so without being able to see us smile and give that reassurance it's hard both ways it's hard as a midwife and it's 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 hard for the women yeah how do you feel when you're doing your job at the moment um it feels a bit odd um in some ways I think like I was saying the the physical barriers of the PPE do feel like they're a challenge. Um, and also, you know, doing doing phone consultations instead of seeing women in, in person. Um, and there's, you know, there is this underlying anxiety. It's, it, it's, it's palpable sometimes yeah. in the hospital. It's palpable because your colleagues may be either be having personal problems in terms of they're worried about some of their, someone at home or they're worried about themselves. Women are, are worried about themselves, about their unborn babies, about the, their, the rest of their family, um, and just the unknown. You know, there is so much that we don't know yet. Um, and already pregnancy can be, you know, it's it's a it's a wonderful time for lots of women, but it's also a really anxious time. Um, and so I think the two together can mean can feel like you're kind of you you know you're fighting these these battles to to reassure women but at the same time we don't have much more knowledge about it than you know the rest of the public in terms of in terms of the disease and that's 
um, it's hard to reassure with that kind of backdrop. Um, but I think the way that we're, as midwives, we're surviving is we're just going back to basics. And I think you can you can get caught up in thinking about all the PPE and about what's going on in the rest of the hospital. And sometimes you just have to look at the woman in front of you and just go back to basics. There's a woman having a baby. Um, you're a midwife and all you can do is be kind, be supportive, um, communicate and, you know, reassure them as much as you can. That's a really interesting thing about keeping things simple. I, I wanted to ask you about whether you found different ways to overcome the face mask thing. I thought that was very um, evocative, what you said about having a face mask and not being able to smile, not being able to have that those those signals that are really important that are probably subliminal you don't even realize you're doing it this form of communication that isn't verbal are you finding that you're talking a lot more now and saying things a lot more to overcome that i i think we're trying to but it's hard to remember when you're wearing the face mask that people can't see you smiling and i know people say oh you know you smile with your eyes and and you do but you know that it's harder to see um so we have what we've done is printed out um taken a photo of ourselves each midwife's taken a photo of themselves smiling and printed it out and laminated it and then we have it on us um and it says on it um i think something like i know you can't see but underneath this mask i'm smiling and so they can see our they can see what our faces would look like, you know, without the mask. And they know that you know underneath that mask we are smiling at them, and we're, you know, we're being, you know, like we always are, amazed at the power of women and amazed at the power of of birth and how strong women are and how they will continue to bring their babies into this world with strength and dignity even in face of a crisis and you know it actually makes me quite emotional thinking about it but women are amazing anyway you know the women I look after are phenomenal and now they're they're doing it in such a difficult time and I you know I have complete respect respect for them that's really moving what you've just described actually um, I wanted to ask you about, you talk about respect there, and I want to ask you about, as an NHS worker, about respect, because uh, obviously every Thursday at eight o'clock, people come out on their doorsteps and they clap, and I'm sure you do too. Um, and what what do you think and what, what are your thoughts all around that about this outpouring of love? And I know it's not just NHS workers, it's it's also the supermarket workers, it's the lorry drivers and delivery people, it, it's the social workers and all the people that are involved in social care, you know, so it's not just NHS staff now, I know that we're clapping for, but predominantly people are focused on those at the front line caring for those who have this been afflicted by this awful, mysterious virus that we're all experiencing the, the knock-on effects of. Um what what do you think and uh, about how that has affected you and how you're perceived as an NHS worker or what do you what do you feel about that community appreciation? 
It it does feel good. It feels it feels nice, and it, every every clap that I'm there for, I feel quite emotional. Um, and it, I feel I feel emotional because I think about my colleagues, and I think about the colleagues who I've never met in ITU, or you know the people working under these extreme conditions, and the other key workers who are risking themselves. You know, think people like care home workers who often are working in harder dis harder circumstances than we are to be honest um and I do feel it does make me feel quite emotional because I think it's lovely to see that people are recognizing the sacrifices that are being made um but there is a part of me that just hopes that that recognition doesn't disappear when the virus does because as we know the NHS has been chronically underfunded for decades and everyone is full of love for it at the moment um but that love needs to transpire into into action because if we lose it it will never come back and I look at people in America who are literally dying because they don't have health insurance and they're losing their jobs and they're losing their health insurance with it and I and I think that worry of not knowing whether you can go into hospital or or and receive care and or knowing that you have to just stay at home and hope for the best because you can't afford to go into hospital. I can't imagine what that must feel like. And yeah. I know lots of people, you know, there's lots of talk about raving about the NHS, but I just hope people don't forget that it's it's made up of people who overall do really really care you mentioned at the beginning that you are one of the people those people that are in a fortunate position that you have a really good support network around you particularly now that you have a 22 month old son uh mothers fathers-in-law are really vital part of that support presumably you have had to cut that contact that face-to-face contact off and how is, is is that true and is what's that like yeah, it's it's really sad because, I mean, he's got two grandmothers who both absolutely dote on him, and we try, you know, we do the usual Skype calls and Zoom calls and um, things, but it's it's just not quite the same. And I think I never realised when I became a parent how I would feel start to feel totally different about my own relationships with my parents um that came as a quite a surprise to me and I think you know no one else is particularly interested in whether your your child is saying a new word or whether they've you know mastered some skill or done something really cute apart from the grandparents <laughs> everyone for everyone else it's kind of really That's boring so true. <laughs> you know your grandparents yeah. they'll find it as amazing and as interesting as you do as as a parent um and so yeah it's sad that they're missing out on seeing those things and i i i do feel a sad a sadness and a kind of my heart sort of you know jumps a little bit when i i he does something and I think oh I can't wait for mum to see that and then I forget almost for a second that she can't see it um and he's developing so so quickly at the moment at this age that he will be 
you know, he will change quite a lot by the time they can see him again. Um, it's also making childcare slightly more challenging um, just because our nursery has also closed. And so we're having to sort of kind of do ad hoc, ad hoc childcare um, with a friend's daughter um, rather than take him to a new nursery and expose him because that you know the the government's advice was if they you can keep them off nursery then you should but my husband can't just not work for two days so um we're sort of trying to manage it as best we can with just a few hours help on days when I'm working um it helps that I work long shifts and then on the other days when I'm not working my husband can do longer hours to make up the time but it's exhausting because <laughs> uh, you know yeah. after you've done a 12 and a half hour 13 and a half hour 14 hour shift you know depending on how long you're there for um it pretty much takes everything from you particularly if you've been you know looking after women in labor for all that time and it's hot and you've been in the ppe and you're physically mentally emotionally completely spent and then Obviously, you have the next day, um, you know, it's my husband then does longer hours to make up the time so that I can so that, you know, he can he can get some more time in. So there's not much of a, a break, but I, I have, you know, I have it nowhere near as bad as some people. So I. And have you tried to explain to your son about what's going on? No, I think he's too little. I, I really don't think yeah. he would he would understand. He says things like grandma far, far away. Um, so he obviously Aww. notices she's not around and, you know, he knows she's he's not seeing her physically. Um, mm. But he's not got the, yeah, the sort of kind of development to know why or to ask why even. And I think in many ways I'm quite grateful that he's young enough that I don't have to try and explain it to him because I I don't envy that for for parents and because it's a difficult thing to explain and it's you know it's scary um and it's like I was saying before you know we don't have answers we don't have nobody knows when if it's going to be over so that's really hard to explain to children how are you finding going out and, you know, getting stuff like shopping and things like that? Because I, I don't know about you. Some days I just forget, you know, I leave the house to go and get like this morning. I went to, the, to get the newspaper. And of course, I know the environment we're in. But just for some split second, sometimes you could be walking down the street and not remember that. You've, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, why? And then do you try? I, I'm finding myself. I don't know whether you're finding yourself just um almost wishing that oh come on let's just snap out of it now let's just forget about it let's just go back you know it's it's hard isn't it to keep that discipline around it all yeah and I definitely think that there is that weirdness that you do almost forget like you wake up in the morning and you forget and then you remember and you think oh yeah okay or like you sometimes you know I can be walking down by the seafront and if it's you know, not busy, but if it's, if there's quite a few people around walking their dogs and things, I do forget. And I just don't 
yeah, it completely goes out my mind. Um, I actually try and avoid shops and supermarkets as much as possible. And not because I'm, you know, really worried about the um, contagious risk, but because I think they're doing a great job at, um, you know, maintaining distance. But just because I, I, for me, it, it reminds me of what's happening too much and it's almost, it almost makes me more worried about, there's yeah. something please state like about that supermarket experience and it is a bit intimidating I think when you I mean it depends on the supermarket I think as well just yeah. to, to just and it's nothing to do with the supermarket themselves it's about the physical building and the setup that restricts how much you can feel that you can be liberal within the guidelines but yeah that's yeah. it's really hard and I'm still I don't know about you but still struggling to get some things I mean it yeah, yeah, we've struggled to get certain things. And I think when it's not so bad now, but a couple of weeks ago when the the supermarket shelves were really empty, I found that made me really anxious just seeing the empty shelves. I wanted to ask you about after this is all over, what do you think you'll do? What do you think you'll do first? Some hippie hugs. <laughs> so long, you know, minute long hugs with humming and swaying and um yeah those kind of the hugs that like make people that hate hugging feel really really uncomfortable um you know where they're trying to tap you on the back as if to say yeah I'm done now and you just keep on squeezing them yeah I think we'll do some of those yeah that sounds good and just a drink with a with a friend in a in a pub god that's just yeah, it's something so simple, but you don't quite realise what you're missing until you can't do it anymore. Yeah. Pubs in general, actually. Yeah. yeah. And is there anything that you're doing that you've never done before? Oh, I'm trying to garden, which is so far not very successful. Yeah, and I don't think I would have ever, ever bothered if this yeah lockdown hadn't happened. Um, so I'm not sure if it's really worth mentioning because so far the attempts have been uh, pretty dire but I'm trying and I keep having to remind myself that if it doesn't work it doesn't matter I gave it a go um but yeah we're trying to grow some not, not vegetables but just some flowers and things to make the garden look a bit less shabby um I would have never done that before because I just yeah don't one lacking in time and two lacking in motivation for, for things like that but actually it's quite nice it's nice it's nice being outside and I've really enjoyed kind of spending lots of time in the garden or you know the quietness on the streets when you do go for a walk the the reduction in the traffic and the kind of just general peacefulness that is around and I see just walking the streets and seeing people kind of talking to their neighbours you know in appropriate distance but chatting whereas I you know because everyone's at home people are talking more people are um talking to their neighbours more and and helping them out and you know I think that's really really nice I think realizing that that community that is actually that's what's keeping lots of people going 
I wanted to just ask you about your hopes for I don't know, bigger things. Uh, if we wanted to be philosophical about it, I suppose it's asking you what you think about the world and what you think this might do for us. You talked there about, uh, earlier about the NHS and your hopes around that, but as a human humanity people, um, have you thought about that? Have you thought, oh, do you know what? If there's one thing that we should get out of this, it's blur. Or you know, if there's some thoughts and hopes that you have about uh, about what's happened. Yeah, I think for me, just realize, you know, just I hope we don't forget that we're not invincible. You know, we we can't necessarily continue to live in a massive connected world where, you know, airline travel to anywhere you want is is the norm. Um you know, I'm not, I love, I absolutely love traveling, but I just think getting some kind of awareness that, you know, we have to, from an environmental perspective, kind of cap things um, and, and just not think that we can just, you know, that we're untouchable really as a human race. Um I know there are some people that kind of have theories about, you know, it's coronavirus is kind of putting putting the human race in its place a bit. And, you know, whatever your thoughts are about that, it, it is a wake up call, I think, in some ways that, you know, we shouldn't just all be sitting here waiting to go back to normal because actually there's there's plenty wrong with with the normal. Um, and there's lots that we can do in order to make ourselves make the world safer um, as an inhabitable place for us but we have to actually do it we can't just keep ignoring it so yeah the environmental side for me is the the biggest thing yeah there is something as well I think around um, being part of a moment in history at the moment don't you think do you I feel like I'm part of something seismic that we've never experienced before um, whether this will become something which we see happening in waves over, you know, in, in generations to come, I'm not sure. But, you know, your son might say to you in years to come, what happened? What was it like? Tell me, yeah. tell me about it. I was only 22 months old, but what did you have to do with me? And what was, what was it? It must have been incredible, mum. Tell me about that. You know, we're, we're part, it will be that we're part of that story now, aren't we? We're part of a moment in history, which we've never really been in. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying we're lucky because of that, but there is something about really looking and remembering what this is like, because to be able yeah. to remember is quite an important thing, I think, to share and with future generations. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we you know, that this will be talked about in, in history books you know, this period yeah. of, of time will be considered a significant historical event. There's no getting around that. And I think also being aware that the reper repercussions of it in terms of the economy, in terms of how it's going to change, how we live globally, um, how we travel, how we, how we kind of prevent anything like this happening again in the future, um, will be huge and so it's almost like we're sitting on the precipice a little bit because we're in it at the moment but but actually I 
don't think as soon as it's over, everything will just return to normal and that will be it. I think, you know, I'm hoping we'll have to re-examine, you know, how, how the world works because it's, it's shown our, our vulnerabilities really, hasn't it? It's shown our... Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, it's really, really good to talk to you. It's really good to having talking about it actually, because I don't think I've talked about it. I mean, I've talked about it every day with everyone, obviously, but as in talked about it as in depth um, to to anyone. So it's actually been really nice to kind of pick yeah. out different thoughts and feelings about it. So, well, I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for taking part in this project. <laughs> And uh, maybe when this is all over, we'll actually get to meet each other in person, which would be really nice. (laughs) Take care. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for listening to A Street in Lockdown. For more stories, go to astreetinlockdown.co.uk.